In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak for a few minutes upon a topic which is very serious that many Orthodox Christians today suffer from this particular problem. And the problem is ignorance. So I'm going to begin with a short paragraph from Elder Joseph, the famous Greek saint that died in the 1950s, the Hesychist, the cave dweller. And he says on this topic, where he wrote to someone, he said, you have already been told that you suffer from much ignorance which gives birth to arrogance. So be careful, my child, and flee from arrogance, the mother of all evil. Ignorance of what is good is darkness of soul. And if a person does not join with Christ, who is the light, he cannot free himself from the prince of darkness, the devil. Now, the, the saint there is saying clearly that when we are ignorant especially of the things of God, then we cannot escape from the hands of the devil because the devil loves people who are ignorant. In worldly ways, we see that a person who's ignorant, say, for example, a person comes along and speaks about something of the world, like politics or something, but he's ignorant. You feel sorry for the person if you try to challenge that person, that person will become arrogant. He'll become rude. He might even tell you off. The same is in spiritual matters. Today, in the church, there are many, many people who are ignorant of the things of God. People enter the spiritual life, people enter the church life as if it's nothing. And they think that they can say what they want and do what they want and there are no consequences. Now, I'll give you an example. Everyone knows that the Jesus Prayer is a very, very powerful tool against the, against the devil and it is very and bears a lot of fruits. We see that our saints practiced the Jesus Prayer. And today, out of, again, out of ignorance, people come along and begin to practice this prayer without knowing anything about it. Elder Paisios, the Greek elder, he said that once he counselled a, a young monk who had gone off to live on his own like a hermit, zealously giving himself over to the Jesus prayer, and he said to him, don't just do the Jesus Prayer. You should be also doing in the services of the church, the Holy Orthodox services. But he, being stupid and ignorant, became arrogant, rude, and said that, no, the Jesus Prayer is the most important thing. So he didn't listen to the saint's warning, the elder's warning, telling him, don't do that because, he said, the day will come where you, when you see the prayer rope, you will begin to tremble. And what happened after a while, because this person decided not to listen, 
He kept on doing the prayer with his prayer rope. He didn't listen to the instructions given to him. And after a while, he got so, he became possessed such that he couldn't even look at the prayer rope or even say the Jesus prayer or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He couldn't even say it anymore. There's another thing today which there's a lot of ignorance and that is of fasting. People fast having no idea what is the purpose of the fast. Today, the majority of Orthodox Christians believe that Lent means you do not eat certain foods, and that's Lent. And there are even people who fast even more than a lot of monastics. Well, let's see by reading the services of the church, which is what the elder told us to do as well, to, we should look and read the service of the church so that we can get meaning of what is, for example, this triodium period, this Lent. Just like when someone's going to buy, some of you might want to buy a washing machine or buy some new technology and you go onto the internet and you look at some reviews. Nothing wrong with that. People want to be smart and they go, I'm not going to just buy anything. What happens if it's, if it's a dud? So they look, they read, they ask others, they investigate to buy a car, a new car, forty, fifty thousand dollars They're not going to just spend it on anything. They want to um, look at the reviews. Which one won prizes? Which one's got a good report? Which one's got good safety for the children? Etc., etc., etc. If we do that for worldly things, and there's nothing wrong with that, why don't we do it for spiritual things? Instead, we dive in to the spiritual matters without knowing hardly anything. I remember I, I met this fellow once, I used to visit him, he was paralysed in, in the wheelchair and I found out that the reason why he was paralysed in the wheelchair is that he dived into some water, not knowing that it was shallow or there might have been a piece of wood there or something, he dived in, didn't check beforehand and he hit his head and he became paralysed. And today, many dive into the church's practices, ignorant completely, and at the end become paralysed. Not necessarily physically paralysed, but become spiritually paralysed, like the fellow with the prayer rope who could not even touch it anymore. That's what's called spiritual paralysis. And people also become paralysed during this Lent because they are ignorant of what it's about. Well, let's see what the services tell us. Remember that most people believe that Lent is a period where you might do a few extra prostrations and some fasting. But in the, in the church books, it says the following, let us keep our true fast before the Lord. Let us abstain not only from food, but from every angry speech and lying, from, and from every other passion. What other passions? Anger, lying, hate, jealousy, sexual passions, greed, envy, pride, vainglory. All these things are passions. And the fathers of the church are saying Lent is not about abstaining from just some foods, but Lent, a true Lent, true fast, or post, as you say in, your, in some of your, um, in, in Russian, a true fast 
is one in which we not only abstain from foods, but we also fight against our passions. Another one, it says here, where the, we're talking to our own soul, we say, O miserable soul, abstain from the passions and be saved. For abstinence from food is not acceptable as a fast unless we also correct our faults. So the saints here are saying that the true fast is not, as, he, as I mentioned before, it says it here clearly, that we can only be saved when we are struggling to correct our faults. What's our faults? Could be that we don't like someone telling us our mistakes. We don't want to be obedient to anyone, whether to the priest, wives, to husbands. People want to always be right. People want to argue to the end and they have to be correct. People want to have, get, uh, have revenge on someone. All these things are our faults, and this happens in our, in our families, and if you're a monastic in the, in the monasteries. All these passions occur. So we have people who are abstaining from food, even to the point of no oils, etc. No fish, no oil, this, that, and yet they are making not one attempt to correct their fault. They could have an enormous ego and make no attempt to correct themselves. Well, the fathers of the, of the church say, you cannot be saved just from abstaining from food unless you make an attempt to uh, fight your passions and correct your faults, in other words. Number three, O oh my soul, you have not cleansed yourself from evil nor avoided the lusts that corrupt you. Why are you filled then with unjustified rejoicing because you observe the fast? For such is not the fast of, or that the Lord has chosen who desires our true correction. This is a wonderful part because here it points to the Phariseeism. It says here, why, O soul, so we speak to ourselves, why are we rejoicing because we keep the fast by not eating certain foods? That's not what God wants. God wants us to correct ourselves, to fight against our passions. So this is the problem that we see that when we are not correcting our faults and just abstaining from foods, we become like the Pharisees of old who were proud that they actually were fasting. And we saw what sin they fell into where they became haters of God and were responsible for having Christ crucified. The number four, let us keep the fast, offering tears, sorrow for our sins, and almsgiving. And let us cry, our sins are more in number than the sands of the sea. Now we're introduced into a new section, a new part. Not only is the fast abstaining from food, not only is the fast correcting our faults, but here it says that the fast is also offering teas to God, sorrow for our sins, and almsgiving. What's almsgiving? Almsgiving is to give to the poor. So the fast, the Lenten period, I'll go through it again, is abstaining from certain foods up to one's ability, correcting one's faults, 
offering God tears of repentance and sorrow for our sins, and almsgiving. Number five, be merciful to us, O Lord, in this holy season of Lent. Give us grace always to weep before you from our hearts, washing away the defilement of our souls and growing ever more obedient to your holy commandments that in our fasting we may truly please you. So here the fathers of the church are saying that God is pleased with our fasting, in other words, with our Lent, this period of Lent, when we do what I just said earlier on, when, and we keep the commandments. So we have to study the commandments by reading the Bible, reading the Holy Fathers, reading the lives of saints, and we have to put those commandments into practice. There are people who, unfortunately, and I tremble to say it, who keep the fast very strictly and had, don't even read the Bible, but, they, but they're very strict with no oil and keeping fast incredibly strict. But I ask, do you read the Bible? No. And number six, as Christ has taught us in the scriptures, in the Holy Bible, a pure fast means the putting away of sin, the rejection of passions, love for God, attentiveness in prayer, tears of repentance, and acts of mercy to the poor. Again, another reference to the poor. I asked one someone, did you know that Lent is a time where we we're supposed to give alms to the poor continually, but during Lent, we, have to, we are supposed to practice that even more. But again, people believe that Lent is, is abstaining from foods. Now, some of you might say, I don't have money to give to the poor. I'm poor myself. That's correct. But there's also what's called spiritual almsgiving where you can pray for someone, where you can feel sorry for someone, where you can help someone in a different way. Go visit them. That's spiritual almsgiving. Someone's in prison, visit. Someone's in the hospital, visit them. Someone's an old person, lives on their own, helpless, visit them. That's spiritual almsgiving. Whether physical almsgiving by giving money and material things or spiritual almsgiving, we are commanded by God to do this continually but during the Lent, we're supposed to increase that even more. In this, in the number seven, the last one, in this season of repentance, notice how it calls this Lent the season of repentance, the period of repentance, not the period of abstaining from certain foods. In this season of repentance, let us stretch out our hands in works of mercy. In other words, works of mercy given to the poor and helping people. And then the ascetic struggles of the fast will bring us to eternal life. This is wonderful, so powerful. Only when we are merciful to others will our fasting, our struggles, be of any value to us. Only then do we receive eternal life, in other words, salvation. Remember... The Pharisees, as I said of old, they did keep the fast. 
and they gave a little bit of money to, the, to their temples and things like that, tithing, but they did not struggle to keep the commandments, especially that of love. So without love, without works of mercy, if we just fast by keeping the foods, by not eating the certain foods, then that's satanic. Because other religions fast as well. But only the Orthodox Church is the only church which requires from their faithful, from her faithful, the healing of our souls. Only the Orthodox Church demands that every Christian struggles to have their souls healed. And this healing takes place through spiritual struggle, through fasting, yes, through prostrations, yes, through confession, through prayer, through the keeping of the commandments, through the reading of spiritual books, through the reading of the Bible, and trying to correct ourselves and giving works and doing works of mercy. That is the whole purpose of our life, to be healed so that we can be saved. Now, Elder Paisios on that, he says, when we hold even the slightest grudge against someone, a small bad thought about anyone, any ascetic discipline we may undertake, such as fasting and vigils and so forth, will be in vain. It will be for nothing. What will be the use of such ascetic disciplines, such as fasting and things like that, prostrations, physical uh, ascetic asceticism, if one does not struggle at the same time to prevent and reject all evil thoughts? No, we keep the oils, we fast strictly, but what we think doesn't matter as long as we keep the fast. So if we've got evil thoughts against someone, that doesn't matter. No one knows. Even now, even now God knows, but we're, sometimes we're unbelievers and we don't even think that God knows. We just care about what we show externally. And Saint and Elder Paisios, a great Greek elder, says here that, and by the way, if you read all the saints, they all speak the same, whether Russian, Serbian, Bulgarian, Romanian, etc. They all say the same thing. For example, a young man is tempted by the devil and has impure thoughts, meaning sexual thoughts, and he undertakes vigils and three-day fasts in order to be rid of his impure thoughts, because we read that, that fasting helps with those things. But, the elder says, one single good and pure thought which he manages to bring to mind can have greater effect than the vigils and the fasts. It can be of more positive help to the young man in overcoming his problem. We forget about that. We think that all grace comes just from the abstaining of food and forget that the struggling of, uh, with our passions and trying to bring in our minds and good thoughts actually brings down grace abundantly into our hearts. And Elder Paisos, he goes on and says, speaking for myself, meaning about himself, I benefited more from my illness than I had benefited from all the ascetic struggle I had carried out until then. Elder Paisios was a great faster. And he did 
hundreds of prostrations or thousands. And he kept the fasts to the most strictest that you can think. Even when he was sick, he used to keep them. However, he said, as did many other saints later on, goes, actually, I received more help just by being patient in my sickness than what I did of all the ascetic things that I did. But we forget about that. Today, many people are sick and they forget and they go, they try to say, well, I'm going to do uh, a tremendous amount of fasting, even though they're sick. Sickness gives us humility. A lot of times, fasting on its own brings us Phariseeism. And the elder was asked, uh, elder, does physical discipline help in our struggle against the passions? When he says physical, that's what he means, fasting and prostrations. So someone asked him, does that help in, when we fight against the passions? And he says it does if it is used for that purpose. But just physical discipline, which is empty of value, creates illusions about oneself because it intensifies the passions of the soul, inflates pride, increases self-confidence and leads to deception. The elder, as all the saints, was very much against people who kept the fast without trying to correct themselves. He was against that because he said that when someone just does the physical discipline, like the old believers in Russia, for example, what did their externals, what did they do? They believed in keeping the fast, which they did strictly. They did their prostrations correctly at certain times. They kept all those rules, stood in church, never sat down. And yet, in, inside them, they didn't bother to look at cultivating love, humility, repentance. And that's why they fell into that great schism that happened in Russia a few centuries ago. Elder Ignatus Branchinov says those who keep just the physical side of spiritual life fall into, I'll go through the list and then we'll end, which is, which is um, fearful. He actually said, St. Ignatus Branchininov in the arena, he actually says that when someone doesn't do bodily asceticism, like someone doesn't fast, someone doesn't do prostrations, etc., he says it makes them like animals who give freedom to their bodily passions. However, he says, excessive bodily discipline makes men like devils. So someone say someone doesn't fast properly, someone doesn't do those physical parts of spiritual life. He says they are like more like, like animals in the sense of they're full of passions and that they get angry easy, they've got things like that. But worse than that, he said, are those who keep these physical disciplines like fasting and all that. He says they are worse because they become like devils, full of pride, full of self-opinion, full of vainglory, full of contempt and hate for their neighbour. He says they become hard-hearted, stubborn, 
They slander, condemn others. They're full of bitterness, resentment, hate, blasphemy, schism, heresy, self-deception, and diabolic delusion. That's the way the great elder, the great saint of the Russian church, Saint Ignatius Benchinov, who, who is one which is full of discernment, that's the way he spoke. So let us all be careful and let us not fall on into this horrible thing that Saint Ignatius, Elder Paisos, and all the saints speak about. Let us not become like the Pharisees or old who kept a few things and said, God is pleased with me. God is not pleased with us unless we correct ourselves. God is not pleased with us unless we try to keep the commandments. When we fail, we repent. God is not pleased with us when we don't show works of mercy to others. Only when we do those things, then our lives are pleasing to God. But just keeping a few external things does not give us salvation at all. And we should fear that, think about it during this Lent. And if any of you or myself believe and have this thing that our fasting is the most important thing, then you better run to your priest and get some direction. There was a beautiful example in the Holy, in the Yerondikor, the Desert Fathers, where there was a monk who had become so proud that he wasn't eating meat. He became possessed. So the elders told him, go into the town, go to the middle where the fountain is there, the square where all the people are, and he said, and eat meat in front of everyone. And he says, how can I do that? I'm a monk. I will scandalise people. He said, they said, do that for your sake so that you can break this thing that you've got because what you've got now is not giving you benefit by not eating meat. It's actually bringing you to become like a devil, unrepentant and in danger of losing your soul. So therefore... The monk was obedient, went into the town, and he did that to break that. Now we come to the unction. There are some people who believe that you have to be anointed every time after the gospel, and that's correct when, there is a, when the unction is done for a sick person. Actually, the original unctions were not general. The church did not perform in the first centuries general unctions. They did specific unctions and also the way this service is was not until St. Arsenios of Corfu put the service together in the first place. So people are not, aren't, again, this is the ignorance which, which comes into play, the judging and things like that. People don't understand how unction developed and how it came. This today is called general unction. And, gen, and, and general unction, you cannot anoint everyone after each gospel, because it's going to take about an hour to anoint you now. So that means that we'll have to be here till three o'clock in the morning to anoint everyone. When a priest does an unction for a person, yes, he can do that. Again, this is ignorance, and we have to be careful, because then, like the old believers where they got stuck on the cross and they be, fell into schism, or like the old calendarists in Greece where they got stuck on the 13 days and a lot of them went into schism and became fanatical and said that all the churches in the world are all off. 
All the churches are bad except for their church. This is, these, these people actually were great fasters of the church. Amen.